Welcome to Map It Marketing for small business owners who want to become more confident and capable in their marketing. I'm Rachel Claver, and I'm a small business owner just like you. I've learned that there are so many different things that we are supposed to do all the time. And trying to work it all out is quite frankly often very confusing. In this podcast, we're going to explore what those things are and whether you need to pay attention to them. Ready? Let's get started. Are you a chronic undervaluer of your time, your money, and your services? Do you know if your products are pitched at the right price to make sure that if you grow, you can sell them wholesale and that you can make sure you're getting profit in them? Are you taking your time and effort and your IP all into account? If you're not 100% certain on this, this this episode, people, this episode is just for you, my friend. And the person that's going to help us today is this amazing guest. I am so excited to have Natalie Coombe on this podcast with us. She's a pricing expert who's worked for over 20 years with both small solopreneur businesses all the way up to large international businesses. And she knows how to get the price right. Yes, everyone, the price is right today and you'll be able to learn tips and ideas and ways to shift your mindset to help you value yourself and your business and what you do so that you can get the best price for what you do. So buckle in, get ready. I am so excited and make sure that you tune in just at the end after our interview where I'll go through and summarize and give you a few action points that you can take from the day so that you can make a difference for your business with this podcast. Let's get in. And welcome to another podcast of Mappet Marketing. And today I've got a guest, Natalie Coombe, whom I'm totally excited to talk to about. And I first want to say thank you so much for tuning in. I know that your time is precious and there's a limit of the type of people you want to have in your ears when you're talking and driving and doing stuff. So thank you for tuning in. And I want to start right off the bat with Natalie, her telling us a little bit about her business so we can find out a bit about who she is and why I've chosen her to talk to you about pricing. Because seriously, I said this in the intro, she is supersonically awesome at it. So Natalie, do you want to have a chat to tell us a little bit about you? Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for, for having me on here. It's always such a pleasure to, to talk and I could talk about pricing till the cows come home. So, um, oh, fantastic. We, we only have an hour-ish time. We have an hour. Oh, that's okay. Part <laughs> one of 50 episodes. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. But no, it's awesome to, to be here. And yeah, I, uh, Natalie from nataliecoom.com and I help entrepreneurs to nail your pricing so you can pay yourself what you're worth doing what you love, only working the hours that you want. And uh, I've good. been, what's that? That sounds pretty good. Yeah. Well, it's a really, uh, a really key part of business. And I think pricing is one of those forgotten areas of business. We talk about, you know, marketing, which is critical and sales and automation, all these kind of things. And then pricing tends to be that you're on your own. Good yeah. luck with that. Um, and yet pricing is one of the blueprints of business. It's the part that touches everything. It's the part that makes you be able to pay yourself, which makes the whole thing worthwhile. It means you got enough money to invest in experts like yourself and all the tools that make it easy. Um, and it's the part that gives you your time back in your day. So you're not having to work so hard. So uh, yeah, it's always a pleasure to be talking and helping people with, with getting this part nailed because it kind of unlocks all the other parts. 
So now, before we jump into everything, I did say in the intro that you had described your voice as a mongrel voice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I did say I wanted everyone to have a bit of a challenge to see if they could spot it. Um, but what, what is it? Like, what's the accent that we've got going on here? Well, I'm, I'm glad you've raised that now because this is going to stop people from listening to me the whole time going, where is she from? This is going to out of the way. This is going to out of the way so you can focus on what I'm saying, not how. Um, right. Okay. So, uh, I'm a Kiwi. So, so believe it or not, but I, uh, was raised in the States. I grew up with my family in America, in San Francisco, um, Marin County. And so I roll my R's. I can um, hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I'm talking about it too, it's going to be even worse. Yeah. Um, and then I spent 10 years recently in London. So I also have a slight Cockney t- uh, kind of slang to it just to really right. round that puppy out. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome. It's a great combo. I, it's, you know, I'm attached to it. I read actually something, um, I was watching someone around fear of like showing up on camera and videos and why we don't like the sound of our voice on video. But apparently it's because our voice, we hear it in this echo chamber. So our voice is like several tones down and it sounds a lot richer. And so when we're talking, we're going, oh, this is a beautiful sound. But when everyone else hears it, they're like, oh, it's like this. I know the first time I I heard myself um, and realised that's what everyone else hears. I felt like apologizing to everyone and going, I am so sorry. You yeah. have to listen to that because it sounded so much better in my head. And I always say, like, it's like with video, you've never killed a man with your face. <laughs> ever. Right? Have you? Not as far as I'm aware. And if you have, it would probably be because you wanted to. Well, true. I mean, yeah. there have been times where that would have been helpful. Yeah, and it's not like you're opening your voice and people are, like, covering their ears and, and dropping, your mirror, like, right? So, like, we're good. We're fine. We're, good. we're fine. We're good. We're golden. There are people with a lot worse voices than ours. Let's be honest, you know. Everyone's a little different and that's okay. That's exactly right. Actually, I've got, like, a little thing that says you can't kill a man with your face. I, I, that is gold. I might just send you this. That is gold. Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to remember that one yeah, awesome fantastic right so let's just jump into pricing because obviously yes. that's why we're here we can't talk about faces all day um but why do you think what is one of the like one of the things I wanted to have a conversation with you about like I know you've got strategies which is amazing but I think the biggest thing is and I mentioned this in the the beginning is that a lot of my clients say that they're a chronic undervaluer. They can't value where they are. Um, one of them, you know, they were charging what I would charge as a beginner to do something, yet she's had 25 years experience and, you know, like all those sort of things. Yeah. Why do you think people struggle to price correctly? There are, oh, it's a great question because it's something that affects so many mm. people. Um, I know I, I work a lot with, with women specifically, but men have the same issues. A lot of men out there who also struggle to understand themselves, um, understand their value. And I think there's a couple of things. Um, for those who are, I know Kiwi struggle that, with this particularly, as a culture, we have tall poppy syndrome. So we are shut down. The minute we sound like we are getting above ourselves, we are shut down. So we're taught from a young age to not put ourselves out there, to not go out and say how amazing we are. Um, And so as soon as we put our head above the parapet to start saying, actually, we're really good at this, we expect the tomatoes to be thrown Mm -hmm. um, and we pop our heads back down again. So I think there's a, a definite cultural issue um, that we have kind of down, certainly here in New Zealand, um, 
might not be quite such an issue for us for Australia, but here it, tend to be a bit more confident. I think Australians, te- well, from a New Zealand from point Zealand, of view, yeah, New Zealand perspective, I think Australians tend to be. Yeah, more confident I think yeah. So stereotypically, I've spent ten years in London. I think um, Brits also tend to underplay we themselves. Do, yeah, they do. I say we, I'm not a Brit, um, but yes, yeah. that's right. it is true. So, yeah. so there's cultural issues there. Um, I know I said for particularly for for women, um, we are valued when we put ourselves last. Mm, right we're raised so true yeah we're raised and rewarded and valued for being self-sacrificing and putting ourselves last and then we translate that into business and we keep putting the client first we put everyone else first and we think of ourselves last and unfortunately i mean that's a questionable strategy in your personal life but when it comes to business if we keep putting ourselves last like that's where we'll stay uh so i think there's this kind of gold like i think i think with that I, I think about that and I think about my own life with my kids as a single mom. Like I know you're a single mom too and I was one for eight years. And I, I spent a long time doing that, like putting myself, like the kids all had nice clothes. I yeah. didn't. Right. Um, the kids would get fed proper food. I'd yes. have a sandwich, you know, because that was the thing. And my girls now, like if I try and put myself behind them, like wait or something, they're just like, lady, you're a mother. You go first, which is a really awesome thing to have it mirrored yeah. back. Absolutely. But I do think we do struggle as women, but also the key, the Kiwi thing, there is definitely that cultural thing, isn't there, that sets, yeah. already gives us a problem before we even start. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so we've got these kind of different different layers. Um, I think that the, the woman issue, it's actually called burnt chop syndrome. Like oh, there's a really? Name. Okay. Yeah, there's a name for it. <laughs> burnt chop syndrome. Great. Thanks for the name. Yeah. <laughs> you, burn, you burn the chops and everyone else has the good ones. Yeah one for yourself so so it is it's, a, it's real um it's a real struggle for us um and one of the so one of the things you can do to to kind of help over overcome it is um it's called well it's called know your value so it's at the core of value-based pricing so there are four key pricing methods particularly for service-based businesses but they also apply to to products um, and the two most powerful ones are cost-based pricing and value-based pricing. And more businesses are moving towards the value-based space. And that's where it doesn't, it's not about how much it costs you to deliver, mm. it's not how many hours it takes you to do. It's about the value of the service. Um, and this is one of the ones I teach my clients. And a lot of women and, and people I work with men as well who struggle with value find this one really helpful because it takes them out of the equation. So value-based pricing is where it's not about you. It's about the change you help your clients to achieve and how valuable that is to them. I love that. Now, I've actually got a specific question about this because Ooh. we do value pri- value-based pricing. We yep. do loosely move it around some things around what the what how many hours because we have to to make sure that the value is also not, we haven't undervalued our value. Yep. But Every now and again, I'll get a client who comes back and says, can you break this down and exactly how many hours this is going to take for you so I can work out your hourly rate? Yeah. Yes. No is the answer to that question. Yeah. That's what I normally, I'm like, well, I can't. <laughs> I, and, often I say, if you want an hourly rate, please expect that it'll be 50% more. That's right. And, and that's where we say, um, you know, our services are, are based on, on packages. They're based on the, va- on the value that you get out of it. You're either happy with that value or you're not, but it's out of our business policy to to share our hourly rate. I think that is great. Yeah, you you. I mean, clients can ask, 
But that doesn't mean we have to say, yes, it's our business. There are policies. Um, and politely, the answer is no. Yeah, and I think, policy. to be honest, for me, like it doesn't happen very often. It tends to happen with the older school, older, yeah. bigger, more old, I'm going to say old-fashioned businesses who kind traditional of... Traditional view of business. Traditional people who go and often are in jobs where they have an hourly rate. Yeah. So they want to do so a, they want to do a comparison. Yeah, so they're doing that. But I do. It is an interesting thing because I think that I had I had this with with my husband Rod, who works with us in the business. Um, he immediately came through and, and worked out a pricing structure that was all around hours because he'd come yeah, out yeah. of corporate, yeah. and that's how he thought about stuff. And I was like, no, no, we don't do it that way. That that's not beneficial for us or the client. Sometimes it makes it a lot higher. Sometimes it's a lot less. This is actually the value of what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, so, so it is an interesting thing. So what about service-based businesses around pricing that correctly? Because I've just I've just had this experience, actually. I worked with a client last year. We talked about getting her pricing sorted. And she, when we originally did it, she wasn't paying herself for making anything. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things that you find too, isn't it? That a lot of business owners are growing, saying, oh, I've got a growing business and I have staff. I've got offices. I've got a shop. Oh, and you go, cool. And what are you getting out of this? And they go, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not earning any money yet. Like, I'm, I'm reinvesting everything. So what do you mean by reinvesting? Yeah, what do you mean by reinvesting? Yeah. No, that's a, a, really good, a really good point. It's um, really common for business owners, even when they have staff, their staff are getting paid more than them. Yeah, that used to happen to us. Right. And, you know, even when you're a solopreneur, you're a sole trader, you tend to pay yourself last and you put yourself last. And this is really common. So one of the biggest um, kind of misbeliefs that are out there, particularly when you start in business, is that your salary is a reward. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Your salary is a reward. And at some point in time, when you've worked hard enough for long enough and you've sacrificed enough, you'll be successful enough to eventually pay yourself a salary. But dangerous. Where are you going to get the reward? You're not going to get the reward. And you may not be there long enough to get to that place. Because the truth is that your salary is a fixed business cost Mm -hmm. that you need to plan for. Because if you don't, plan for it, it won't happen. You know, I work with a lot of small businesses and solopreneurs and often when they come to me, they're at a point where they're covering all their costs and a little bit extra. Yeah. That's their, that's their model. I'm covering all my costs, kind of breaking even and I'm making a little bit extra. The challenge is a, your salary is likely to be, if you're a solopreneur, um, is likely to be two to three times more than your running costs. Yeah, that's significant, right? It's huge. It's triple. Yeah, that triple is. Triple what you're currently doing. So if, if you're only planning to cover your costs and a little bit extra, no amount of working harder mm. and longer is going to bridge that gap. And that is where burnout happens because that's the only way we're taught is just work harder, get more clients. I remember, um, I think my breakthrough moment was, I can't even remember what book I read that said this, but it said one of the biggest fallacies is that your business isn't, you can't grow a business that is that then becomes profitable. As in like what you need to be doing is... Yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, people who go, oh, yeah, the reason I'm not earning money in my business is because it's a startup phase or and stuff like that. And I remember my business, it was profitable right at the beginning. And then I got this mentality, oh, to grow, I've got to 
reinvest by growing and doing the stuff. And it just meant that I got a team of 14 who were all getting paid and complaining that they weren't getting paid enough to me. And I'm like, hey, guys, I'm not earning anything. Yes, 100%. (laughs) And this is is a traditional view of business as well, Hmm. right? Um, So it is a legacy that we've inherited that – business is a sacrifice and you put everything back into it. A lot of the times when people talk about, I reinvest everything, what they actually mean is they're not generating enough to pay themselves. So literally every dollar that comes in goes straight back out. That is not a reinvestment strategy. That is, I didn't plan to make my salary. I love that phrase. I think that's going to be the little snapshot of this. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, reinvesting could be I'm allocating 10% of income over and above what I'm paying myself, business yeah. income, to reinvest for something specific. So, yeah. we're kind of so, using it to do something like that at the moment. Yeah. So, here's what I teach my clients. Yeah. And this, for me, is the secret source to having a business where you can actually afford all of the things you want without it coming out of your salary. All right. So that sounds wanna, good. Here we go. This is what you do. So, you want to think about where you want to be in 10 years' time. Mm. right or 10 years time I got sidetracked in 12 months time let's not go crazy okay 12 months is good 12 months 12 months (laughs) let's make this easy you want to think about where you want to be in 12 months time you want to think of how you want to be working how you want to be living what are all the tools and resources and support you're going to need to have in your business to make that version a reality most of which you probably feel you can't afford at the moment could be a VA, could be a business coach, could be a marketing expert, could be Facebook ads. It could be a new course, could be a new office, could be staff, whatever they are. You want to work out what they are is number one. Number two, you want to cost them up. How much will it actually cost to afford all of those things, right? You add that to your, number three, you add that to your existing costs. Number four, that's your budget. I love that. Do you know, I've had, I think, three clients so far, and I've just realized it, who actually have come and worked with you. And they have done this because they've literally said, I've just worked with a pricing expert. And they didn't always mention you. I think one of them mentioned you. But they've told me that I've got this in my 12 months. So can you quote me on what it's going to be so I can put it into my budget? And then they've come back a year later and worked with me. Yes, that's how it works. A year. That's how it works is that you, you go, right, what does it look like? How much is it going to cost? Cool. I need to get to a place where I'm generating that amount of revenue so I can afford all of those things and my salary on top of it. Thank you very much. Very important, right? Very important. (laughs) That becomes your target revenue. So we sit here and go set some targets and they're arbitrary revenue targets. Mm. I want to make 100K. Why? What does 100K enable you to do? Or 50K or 10K months? They're arbitrary. They are. This, and also my thing is too, um, people get stuck on turnover. You know, like they'll say, I want to I wanna have a, I had someone once who was like, I want to have a $10 million business turnover in five years. And I'm like, cool, what do you want to pay yourself? Does that mean? Yes. Yeah. What does and that mean? Like, oh, I haven't thought about that. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're going to have a bit of a problem now because we don't know what that looks like. You could, anyone can build a, a you know, a multi-million dollar, well, not, I don't know if anyone can, but lots of people can build a multi-million dollar business. But yeah. it's not that that you need to look at. It is actually, what are you going to make out of it? Oh, it's, it's, net pro- it's net profit. Right. If you're going to be specific, it's about yeah. you want a business model that generates consistent profit. That is what enables you to pay, enables you to pay yourself. So yeah, when you're just starting out or you're in that kind of five to, to kind of seven year phase, 
It is absolutely about predicting into the future what you, the business you want to have, budgeting for that version of the business, budgeting for your salary. That is your revenue target. You then take the actions to make that version happen Mm. because then when it does, you have the revenue to pay yourself. You have the revenue to invest in all of those tools and resources that make your business grow in Excel. Um, Without doing this exercise, what happens is you set a target, you work your ass off, you hit the target, you still can't pay yourself, you still can't afford your investments and you feel like you like you failed. failed. Yeah. But you've done everything that you you needed to do. And so, I, I definitely had a business like that. Like so I know what that feels like. I, and like often and when I'm doing a, an event and we do I do a map it event and I'll say, you know, I had this business and I was just working so hard to bring stuff in to feed my team and yeah. this hunger, this constant hunger and I wasn't getting fed myself. Although I think yeah. I was eating a few too many cream buns. But besides that, you know, <laughs> but not that right sort of and I'll and I'll put my I'll say put my put your hand up if you also are like this in a business or you know this. Every single person who is a staff member puts their hand up and go, it is hard because, but they've over, it's often because they forgot to put themselves first. Yeah. And, and that's where pricing is critical Mm. because it's, it's doing the numbers and, and actually working out what I, when you have staff, what do I need to charge my staff out at Mm. so that A, I can pay them what they are worth. B, I'm actually covering my overheads from my staff rates and see they are generating profit because if your staff aren't generating profit or when they're generating profit, that is where the, the scale happens. That's where you start to earn a higher salary than your minimum. That's where you have extra money to invest and grow your business. That's where you have spare money to hire the next person. But we often don't do the math to work out what that rate is. And it's more complicated than people think. I've been calculating rate cards for, yeah. for 15 years now. Um, and there are formulas that you need yeah. to apply. So it's really important that pricing and staff pricing is actually profitable mm. so that you can pay yourself and you can scale and, and you can pay your staff and you can hire with confidence. I, I really love that, Natalie, because I do think that it is a very complicated thing. Like I, I, I'll be open about this. When I very first started Identify, I think I started charging myself out to do like social stuff and agency stuff at like $75 an hour. Yeah. And then I employed someone and of course I had to employ them for quite a bit under that, like I think 25 or something. Yeah. And even then... 75 was not enough to make a profit on that person at 25 because you there's all these other costs and time right. and effort that I hadn't put in. And, and now the model is completely different. And sorry, everyone, but it's a lot more than $75 an hour. But <laughs> yeah, no, there is a benefit of having someone like you to work with to get that foundation up because it was hard for us to change from that wrong position yeah. and change up, like getting it right at the first place and positioning yeah. yourself it also helps you get into the right target market, doesn't it? Like price tells a story. Like if you're too cheap, people don't trust you. A hundred percent. And this is where price perception plays a major role. And, you know, I, I liken it to if you're going to go and buy like a cheap toaster or, or I mean, I don't know, we hold on to toasters for quite some time, but something that you, isn't that important, right? It's not that important. You're happy to replace it every other year. You're going to go to Kmart. Yeah, definitely. You're going to go to warehouse and you're going to buy the cheapest version because it doesn't really matter. If you're investing in something that is critical, 
that is critical to your your personal life or critical to your business, you don't want the cheapest version. No, you don't. <laughs> because if it's cheap, you're going, it's not going to do what I need to do. And, and it's the same thing when people are looking to invest with experts. Some people will look for the cheapest because that's where their mindset is. That's about them. But for the bulk of kind of our clients, they want to know that what they're investing in is good, that the person they're talking with actually knows what they're talking about. Mm. And price actually sets is kind of sets the expectation for how valuable they are. I am um, because I often have a saying which is you know your budget is not their budget you know when people say because you know when people put things on Facebook groups and they say something and they get really offended when people go oh it's so expensive oh no she's so expensive and I'm always like don't worry they're not your target market but it, one of the things I do find that I find with my clients that are hard that are find it hard to run the pricing is quite often when I say hey look in the marketplace this is the average price for that and yours is like half of that so yeah. you need to change they will often say things like, I would never spend that amount of money on it. Yes. Do you get that? I do. Well? Yeah, I we hear that as well. And that's a, a challenge we, we kind of help my clients over. Mm. Um, and the simple answer is you're not your ideal client. Of course, you wouldn't yes. pay that much because you already know how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> right? That is so true, right? Why would you do it? Why would you pay for it? You already know how, you to, already do know how to do it. Um, yeah. and, and this is where as well, again, um, uh, you know, something I noticed for, for a woman, and I'm sure there are men out there as well who, who struggle with this, is if something comes naturally to us, mm. if something feels easy, we're like, why would, why would anyone pay for this? I think right? that, is, that is the hardest thing. Like I know for me, like content is really easy for me. Like content is the right. easiest thing ever. It's like breathing, which is weird because it wasn't when I was at school, but it is now. <laughs> and I struggle to put value on it. Right. And I really struggle with it. And I've yeah. had to had people remind me or I will get outraged when I see someone else and find out what they what they price for it and think, <laughs> oh, seriously, you know, and then I go, oh, that's a little nudge to my spirit that I'm actually not valuing myself. Like often we get grumpy, don't we, when we see other people's pricing because it's actually a little reminder that we're not valuing ourselves. Exactly. That's right. And that's where it comes down to it's not about you. No. Right. It's about the impact and the change that your service has on your clients and how valuable that is to them. That's awesome. Now, I have got a question because I want to go back. I'm not going to use the phrase circle back except to refer to the phrase that I'm not using circle back. Good, but okay, good to know. Circle back um, to you said quite close to the beginning that there were four pricing strategies and you talked about hourly and value based pricing. Yep. But I'm super curious, what are the other two? <laughs> So the other two, everyone's going to be really familiar with the first. So the, the okay. first pricing method is market-based pricing, uh, which is where you look at your competitors, you decide if you're better or worse than they are and whether you can get away with charging more or less. I don't right? like it is, that. It's, well, it's the most common pricing strategy. I hate it. I know. The, <laughs> I challenge, like the challenge with market-based pricing is you have no idea if your competitors are making any money. And they often aren't. They often aren't. They're sitting there going, this doesn't work, but I can't charge more because nobody else is. Um, the other thing as well is if your competitors are making money charging that amount, their business is a black box to you. Yes. Right? You have no idea what they've got going on in the background that means they can run that business profitably. They might be prepared to work 50 hours a week and you've got 28. 
Mm. Those numbers are not going to work for you. Or they may have invested in software or tools or outsourcing or something else. That means those numbers work. You have no idea. So if you simply go, well, they're charging, you know, a thousand dollars for it. So I can't charge more. That's not necessarily going to work for you. So market-based pricing as a pricing strategy is really unreliable. What it is good for is context. So once you've actually done the math, which is cost-based pricing, which is number three, once you've done the math and you go, right, the minimum, because cost-based is the minimum you need to be charging or earning to pay yourself a salary. Uh, Once you've worked out that, market-based helps you work out where are you positioned in the marketplace. I love that. Are you cheap and cheerful, which is a volume equation, Are your pricing middle of the road, in which case, how do you stand out in a crowded marketplace? Or do you need to position yourself as a premium service, which is going to affect how you, your messaging, your brand, your positioning, the clients you go after in order for that to work. So pricing strategy, market-based pricing, which is what most people use, is unreliable as a pricing strategy, but really, really good for content. I love that. Now, I think when we talked originally, I can't remember, but I, I tell the story quite a lot. I used to be a professional development facilitator for early childhood, and they charge for two hours after after school, mm-hmm. um, they charge uh, 400 to $450 a session. Yeah. And I was a single mom. It was the only time you can work. You can only work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It was my only income. Mm-hmm. And I had a business coach and, he, and I said, this is the price. And I said, but I can't live on it. And he said, just put your price up $50 a time every time you get quoted until yeah. someone complains. <laughs> I got to $750. Yeah. And someone complained. I went, oh, here we go. And within three months, I was fully booked for the year. Yeah. And people just considered I was the best because of my pricing. Exactly. It was such a price thing. perception. Yeah. You're clearly really good at what you do. Yeah. But the weird thing was I was mentioning to someone who's still in the industry, do you know, like that was like nine, ten years ago. And that is still that 400 to 450, still the going rate. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Well, this is the thing that a lot of people overlook is people pay for what they value yeah right and we sit here and go they can't afford it i will almost guarantee not the word almost almost guarantee that every one of your clients is already paying more than the cost of your services for something else that's a great phrase yeah you're just a gem you're a gem of these things okay so we've done number three what is the fourth Okay, so um, so number one is market-based pricing. Yes. The second one is goal-based pricing. Yes. Um, and this is really goal-based pricing is where you work out the ballpark of where you need to be positioning yourself pricing-wise for your business to make yeah. sense. So goal-based pricing is really good for when you're just starting out and you want to you want to be able to pay yourself, you want to grow your business mm-hmm. profitably, but you have yeah. no idea where to position yourself salary-wise or pricing-wise. Goal-based pricing helps you kind of work out, right, on average, I need to be earning X Mm. per client or per service in order for my business to work. And then you can take the steps to get there. So so that's really powerful when you're starting out. What it's not so good for is when you have multiple different services because each one is going to be priced slightly differently. Um, So it isn't so good for that. It's not so useful if you have staff or if you outsource Mm. or if you have more complex services. So that's where we come to that the two most powerful ones, which are cost-based and value-based. And they actually work really well together. That's why I teach the two of them. We've kind of talked about that, that 
Value based is really about the maximum you can charge before your clients are no longer getting value for money. It's always really important. Clients get value for money. Definitely. Unless you don't get more clients. You won't get more clients (laughs) and your business is gone. So the value base becomes a max. Um, But we partner with cost base, which is the minimum. Mm. And I know a lot of business owners, particularly who struggle with confidence, doing cost base is super helpful because they go, as long as I am earning X, I'm fine. My business is profitable. I can pay myself every month. I can invest in, um, you know, the tools and resources that I need. And then as your confidence grows, you slowly increase your pricing, but it's a profitable business. And a lot of my clients, um, when they work with me, they actually start from not even charging the minimum. That's really normal. Just to get into that place, you're like, I'm now charging the minimum. And I think there's this idea, you hear it quite a bit, just double your pricing, just up your pricing. And for some people it works, but for a lot of people, it's it. they go, but why? I can't justify it. How do I justify to myself, let alone to my client, why I'm now doubling my pricing or why I'm charging this amount? So cost-based pricing gives you that rationale that justification of why you're charging this much as you build your confidence to charging the max because I think too like that confidence is that feedback loop from clients isn't it so as it happens because I think I was talking to you before that you know that value thing when there's that niggle in your before we we start the podcast when you get frustrated that someone's kind of taking you for granted Mm -hmm. taking it over yeah start going whoa you have stepped over the boundary of what I'm prepared to give you and so this is now going to cost you more and that's when that value pricing starts to kick in because you no longer want to do that but it is a path I'm exactly the same as you Natalie with like social media like I'm not saying to someone okay tomorrow I want you to do a reel I want you to do an Instagram live I want you to do a Facebook live I want you to do a post on LinkedIn and then I want to make sure that you write an awesome blog and they're like hey I don't even know how to log into my Instagram account I had someone ask me the other day what a podcast was so like my the level of our clients are often not ready to just jump in you've got a scaffold today like taking those steps is essential for trust building 100% and so a lot of the strategies that I talked to you know one of the key ones is we work out the minimum and you work out the max, you can charge whatever you're comfortable charging between that, right? So it just gives them that reassurance. You don't have to go all out, just charge what you're confident. And often it becomes a case of charge this for five people, charge a minimum for the first five. Once five people have purchased, put your price up. I love it. Charge that for five. By the time the fifth person is saying yes, you're getting pissed off that you're only earning that amount, put your price up. So that's kind of similar to me when I was doing that. That's right. Okay, like just testing it. And yeah. it is like a confidence build because you don't know, do you, until you try. That's right. Yeah. And it's, oh. it's, a, it's a journey. And so doing the math to understand kind of the minimum and then the max just gives you that breathing space to be confident what numbers you need to charge. Because otherwise it's guesswork, right? Yeah. It's guesswork. And we wait till the end of the year to find out our guesses were wrong. Yeah, I often find people when I ask them, you know, how'd you go last year? What was your turnover? What was your profit? They often go, oh, no, I don't know that stuff. It's my, my accountant's job. My accountant. Red flag for me because I'm like, hey, lady, we check ours like every week. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. Now, I am going to get you to talk to me um, about what you do because I want people to know how to find you and how to use you because it's amazing. But I do really love the phrase that you use, pricing journey. 
Yeah. Like I think that that's such a powerful thing to say because you are actually saying that it is it is a thing. And and one of the things I wanted to bring up with that is you have mentioned a word that people do not like in this an awful lot. Do you know what it is? <laughs> Probably multiple words that no, people don't like. It's a word that people freak out about when they hear it. Now you say it the American way and I say it the New Zealand way. But maths. Maths. Yeah, maths. Yeah, or maths. Math. Yeah. People freak out Looking when they math. Yeah. because it's like it's numbers, right? Yeah. And some people are just not numbers and they go, I can't do the numbers or I don't want to talk about that. I've got a passion-based business, so I don't yeah. want to talk about the money. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the benefits of working with you, and I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, would be that when they work with you, they don't have to have the burden of working out that math stuff. If every time right. they see the numbers, it gets all higgledy-piggledy. They just have to tell you what they're doing, work out what the costs are, and then you're going to help them work out the rest. Is that right? Yeah. So I have calculated. So I'm a geek, right? I was a <laughs> software developer in a previous life, so I geek the goodness out of spreadsheets. So I've created tools, okay, right? Thanks. And they're, they are – you just plug in your num- numbers – how much salary do you want to earn? How many hours do you want to work? The calculator says this is what you need to charge. Yeah, so that's pretty awesome, right? Yeah. And, yeah. I, you know, I have lots of my clients hate numbers um, and, and they freak them out. They're not confident with them. And for them, these tools are super helpful because it takes the pressure off having to be good at numbers because you don't. That's what that's no. what a calculator and a spreadsheet's for. They don't even look like spreadsheets. They're forms. Um, is to take the pressure off, right? And you let the the calculator do the heavy heavy lifting. So you just put in your numbers and... and it's I'm just telling people that because coming to you is not going to be a scary come to Jesus experience. It, I, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> just, I don't think it will be either, but I'm just letting everyone know. Because yeah, yeah. that's no, like one of those and things that people can kind of freak out about and then they just get like all like, I don't even... It's like you become like the dentist or the IRD. Yeah, yeah. Like, because you're ashamed. Like, there's that shame when you know it hasn't been going right. Like, you must you must deal with it all the time where people are like, Absolutely. I don't want to tell you what's going on. Um, a, probably half of my clients yeah. don't like numbers. Mm. That's, that's why these tools are so powerful because they don't have to. Mm. But they actually, the important thing is, one of the things is it's all unknown. And absolutely, there is this feeling of shame, like I'm not doing a good enough job to be a business owner because I don't know my numbers. Doing something like working, whether it was with me or with somebody else, to get control over your numbers is the first step on that journey. Liberating. We're always learning new things. Mm. Business, running a business is the biggest personal development platform there is. So true. So we're always learning new things. And I'm really conscious that just because I get numbers doesn't mean other people get them. And so that's why I've created this process to make it just step by step, like six steps in my pricing process. And we just start off with how do you want to be living in 12 months time? I love it. Now, if people want to get hold of you, there'll be notes at the show notes, but tell (laughs) everyone how they get hold of you, how do they book that time, and do they work with you one-on-one or is there other options? Yeah, great. So I there's kind of two ways I work with people. Um, I work one-on-one, um, and that's just over six, six sessions. We work one-on-one like this, um, and we do your pricing together through my six-step process. I also have a group program uh, where we work in a group, which is awesome because it's the same process, same tools, but you're learning it with other people at the same time. Um, it's also 
a more kind of cost affordable mm. solution for people to get started on their pricing journey because it's a it's a group situation. So um, just shoot me an email if you want to okay. to get in contact. Um, Natalie at nataliecoom.com. You can check out my website if you want to see what I'm what I'm about. I I have a particular passion for helping women in business, which you'll you'll see from my my website. But I work with with everyone, um, anyone who's a good fit and wants to um, start to pay themselves what they're worth. Um, I'm I'm here for. Perfect. Natalie, thank you so much for being here with me today. I've taken notes. Like I have to always remind people that if, if you're watching the video, I'm, I'm here noting things down. I've, I've written um, running a business is the biggest personal development journey there is because that is, I think there's never been a truer word spoken than that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> you learn a lot about yourself. Um, for those of people that have um, listened all the way through, please do make sure that you check out Natalie. And um, as always, um, at the end of this, there'll be like a little thing from me just going through some of the, the action points encouraging you to take action from here today um natalie it's just been absolutely amazing thank you so much for your time no thank you it's been awesome and uh, there is a tool that people can use if they want it's oh, cool. five steps to double your salary so it just takes you through five simple things that you oh, can start doing yes. to pay yourself more for every every job that you do so we can I'm sure we can share that link and people yeah, can yeah we'll put that in the, in the show notes it's perfect. Yes, and they can start that journey to paying yourself what you're worth Amazing. Thank you so much and have a great day. You too. Thank you. I absolutely loved having that conversation with Natalie. I would have found it really confronting a few years ago and now I'm feeling like, sure, I've got a few of those things on board. But there were a few things that I definitely sat down and, and wrote. I love the quote, you know, running a business is the biggest personality development journey you'll ever have. Boy, I have found that completely true. Um, I also loved the four types of pricing that you can do, pricing models that you can do, and the fact that she talked about the fact that, you know, the salary is not our reward and we have to change our mindset. Now, we're going to cover those four pricing models just briefly and get you to just think about those. But first of all, I would love it if you came along to one of our free webinars. We run them almost every week. If you go into Eventbrite and you Google or search under Eventbrite under Identify Marketing, you'll find them. They're an hour long and you can come live and talk to me live backwards and forwards and ask questions or there is an opportunity to have a couple of days after the webinar to have a recorded version. They do expire though, so just to be aware of that. Alternatively, though, in the show notes, there's a thing around free events and you can just click that button and you can go and have a look at them. But let's get back to Natalie and what she was talking about. Um, she talked about the four types of pricing models and I want you to think about which one of these you have and whether you need to make a change. So the first one was obviously market-based pricing, going and finding out what everyone else is pricing and match it. Now, interesting enough, I don't know if this is the same everywhere else, but in New Zealand, there's a law against price fixing, you know, making sure that your prices are the same as your competitors. I think it's really powerful for you to make sure that your pricing is actually something that's viable for you. I love that idea of seeing that another business is a black box. We have no idea how they're making it work. I can, I've lost count of the times I've looked at other marketers and knowing our pricing and what we do and, and how hard we work, say, how on earth are they doing that for that price? I've also thought, man, I don't understand why that's that price when this is all it costs. So it can go either way. You know, I think that's a really important thing. We don't know what's going on. So make sure that you're not necessarily copying everybody else's. 
Um, the, the next one was the goal-based. So you can actually have goals around your growth and changing your pricing. Um, and you can have them around different items. I, I find this really confusing to do. I'm a very simple person when it comes to running a business. So I don't want to have too many different things. I want to have a very simple model that makes it easy for me to remember. And then she talked about the two ones that she tends to use with her clients. One is cost-based, but working out the true cost. If you're not paying yourself, if you are struggling to make sure that you can take money out of the business to support yourself and also grow it without having to slide that money back in, your costs are broken. So cost-based is making sure the price is accurate. And the last one is value-based pricing, which is possible to do in service or product-based businesses because we all know that some clothes are more expensive than others but can still cost very small. So you know that that works very well that way. I want you to have a think about which one of those you are now and where you want to head because I think understanding that is so important. I also want you to think about money mindset. If you've struggled today to realize that, hey, I'm not valuing myself and I'm a chronic undervaluer, this is the chance to start a journey of valuing yourself and it might not start with money. Think about choosing the unburnt chop. Think about choosing the toast that's the hottest. Think about maybe serving yourself first at the table. Think about things that you can do, little things that can put yourself first. For me, it's making sure that I put my needs first at the beginning of the day and do exercise because I know it makes me feel better. And quite often, it's easy to push it away because I have to do something for the kids or something else. So I'm going to really focus on making sure I don't miss that in a day because I do tend to miss a couple of days a week when I'm feeling stressed and that's not putting myself first and valuing myself. So I'd love you to think about those things. I'd love to hear what you've thought about this episode. Um, so just, you know, always drop me a line, feel free. It's rachel at identifymarketing.co.nz or reply back to one of the show notes or anyway. And um, I would love to see you come back next week. We've got another guest coming up next week. It's actually one of our team members, Tracy, and we're going to be talking about how to get your e-commerce business buzzing in terms of websites. Um, Tracy is a star when it comes to e-commerce businesses. We love getting websites converting really well and we're going to walk through all the different things. If you've got a service-based business, you'll still find this beneficial because it's all about getting great content and the user experience. So tune in next week. Thanks for tuning in today to Map It Marketing with me, Rachel Claver. Make sure you hit subscribe in your podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you want notes or information about today's podcast, go to rachelclava.com slash podcast for more information. 